Hello and welcome to Fundamental Value, a journey to quantify crypto. I'm your host, Joshua Frank, co-founder and CEO of The Tide. On Fundamental Value, we speak with the leading hedge funds, analysts, trading venues, and digital asset market participants. Our goal is simple, to understand how the leading minds in the cryptocurrency space are researching, analyzing, and quantifying the value of digital assets. Remember that you can always catch this podcast and other deep explorations of blockchain trends on Cointelegraph Magazine at www.cointelegraph.com magazine. Quick disclaimer, nothing here is investment advice. You can read the, the full show notes for all of our disclaimers. And with that said, I'm super excited to be joined by Laura Vidiella, VP of Institutional Sales at Paradigm. Laura, it's so great to have you on. Hello. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. And so, you know, the way that we always like to get started with all of our guests is what, what was life like as, 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 you know, a normie before you entered the crypto space and, you know, what, what brought you here? Right. Yeah. Life was, life was boring, honestly. I guess like all of us now we look back and uh, we all wonder what we, what would we do without this life right now. Right. But uh, yeah. So before joining the space, uh, I was a consultant and uh, yeah, during my consulting time, I, I, there was a point I was already like pretty much interested in the space and joining a lot of meetups and so, and, you know, I knew, I knew a lot of people in this space, they kept telling me you should join. And uh, finally, I decided to pull the trigger and uh, and join this space. That was uh, late, uh, around like mid 2019. Before that, I was just, you know, just buying Bitcoin, Ethereum and other shit coins and just like surviving. <laughs> and so what what was it that actually was the impetus to, to join the space? You know, you, you first joined at LedgerX. Was it the specific opportunity at that firm or were you determined to go and enter crypto? Yeah, I was already determined. Um, it's a good question. You know, sometimes I, I, I really like give it some thought because from one side I have a CS and finance background. So that's my academically my background. And then I was a broker in Amsterdam and then, uh, you know, did a few things in like tech startups. And then and I was a consultant as well. But I always had like a soft spot for like uh, creating the world a better place. Right. Uh, during my college years, I thought about um, joining an international organization or like even being an ambassador and trying to do something good for the world. But, you know, that's another story for another day. I ended just, up in shit coins. I ended up in shit coins. Yeah. So I don't know how that balances out right now. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And then I don't know. When I was a broker, I just realized how terrible the financial system was because, you know, once you get in, you actually learn all the dark secrets. And uh, I just wanted, um, you know, a better structure. And something I like about crypto is that now we have the opportunity to actually build from scratch, knowing what we have, all these uh, great things. And so, you know, your first job at crypto was, was in at LedgerX. So can you tell us a little bit about that job and, yeah. uh, you know, why you decided to move over from there to Paradigm? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so at LedgerX, I was the operations manager in there. I was supporting anything from like finance, uh, helping finance, compliance to just, you know, anything operations related, uh, deposits, withdrawals, um, uh, sales, support, uh, support tickets. Yeah, so all this sort of we're small team. So, you know, you kind of have to wear different hats. Uh, it was a lot of fun, especially when I joined. We started doing a lot of marketing and we grew the platform quite a lot. I think it was like 20x by the end of the year. Uh, worked on uh, launching futures, work on Ethereum that they just actually launched today. 
Um, yeah, and then, you know, nice to just work together with a very strong team uh, on a tech level and also management is uh, very strong there. And then, yeah, so after a year there, the opportunity to join Paradigm uh, came to me and uh, it was a really hard decision because I was really close to the team. And even today, I'm still really close to them. I speak to them uh, almost on a daily basis. But uh, yeah, I just like the tech that Paradigm was building. I also like the team a lot. I think that everyone at Paradigm is very smart and very talented and dedicated. And then they were also building a product that I missed in my years as an environmental commodities broker in Amsterdam, which was an RFQ system. Because before, at least five, six years ago, the way we managed all the institutional trades was through like chats. So either Skype or like Yahoo Messenger that does not even exist anymore. So, um, yeah, so that's, I saw, I remember seeing the flow for the first time, the CEO Anand was showing me and I was like, wow, like this is, this is awesome. I was just, you know, I jumped on a call just to like, you know, learn more about the company and ended up the call. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what I want to be next. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, how it switched. It's funny. We actually still have one, one crypto client that still uses Skype. I'm like, I wonder if they have like one desk that they still have to deal with on Skype. I bet there's something like that. But, That's but actually, yeah, I, when I started at Ledger X, the first few months I was on Skype as well, speaking with a few. We customers. still have one left. One. That's crazy. Maybe is he TriFi or, or not, or. It's a, it's a prop shop. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So, I, so, I don't know. Maybe they have other stuff going on there. Yeah. But maybe internally, they I don't know. It's a little weird. I mean, they're, be. They're, they're, they're Canadian. So maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. You know, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they still they still use Skype. But let's kind of let's kind of get into paradigm, right? So you said there were all these messenger apps, the way that institutions were making trade made no sense. Enter paradigm. Tell us, you know, tell us about the company. Tell us about, you know, what it does. Uh, you know, who are the clients and, and what is the actual product? Mm -hmm. All right. So Enter Paradigm, our founder, he is Anand Gomez. He was in energy markets and he also went to the pain of like, you know, how all these large trades were done. So, um, yeah, so he knows a lot about and also like Paradigm right now, we're like very much options uh, focused. And um, yeah, so he was just thinking about like, what's a good solution? What RFQ system can we build to like basically fix all of this? things that uh, are missing right now, either in TriPoy or crypto. And then that's when he, at first, like we came up with like this um, chat-based system for like just two counterparties to negotiate on uh, size and price. And, uh, but quickly after that, from listening to customers, uh, that's actually our number one thing. We prefer to listen to customers, like come up with products versus, you know, just coming up with something just because I guess that's a normal thing to do. But anyways, then from there, we're like, wow, we can actually build this new workflow, which is, a taker places a request for a quote, and that can be either an outright or a multi-leg strategy, and then um, and also also a delta neutral trade combining uh, combining options and futures, and then the taker blasts the request for quote into the network of all our liquidity providers, right? And uh, then the makers can you, see who, can you see who the request is coming from or is it anonymized? You can actually decide yeah, that you can actually say, hey, I want my request to be anonymous or I want to open it up to all the makers to see who I am. Month by month so far around between 80, 90 percent of all requests for quotes are always anonymous. And we're actually launching a second product that will be fully anonymous. I'll tell you in a second. But yeah, so. That's very simple uh, workflow. And then once you submit the RFQ, you just wait for responses from makers. 
And, and then you guys are getting paid BIPs on the trade or there's a monthly cost? How does it work? Right. So we have a revenue share program with, uh, with the exchange. So using Paradigm is actually free. There's no subscription fee. There's no additional fees, no additional cost or anything. If anything, you get access to this great uh, network of liquidity providers. And not only that, but the, the chat system is still there. You know, you can meet great people. So it's uh, it's all advantages, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so uh, right now we're integrated with three exchanges, which are Derbit, CME, and Bit.com. And uh, we are soon uh, also integrating with Bybit, OKX, and then FTX later. And so I think you kind of hit on this and don't really need to explain it, but but just to reiterate, like why why would somebody choose Paradigm versus going directly to an OTC desk or or trading directly on an exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So main uh, reason is uh, instant liquidity, right? So we have on-demand liquidity with this very large pool of a uh, network of liquidity providers. Um, we, we have a lot of those on our website, actually, on, on, on our liquidity providers section. But also, it's a lot faster, right? So you can just submit a request for a quote. And um, on average, I would say all trades clear within like a minute or like two minutes max. So that's uh, I would say that's probably the main reason, especially for, for assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. I mean, right now, we only have Bitcoin, Ethereum and, and Bitcoin Cash because we're limited to whatever the exchanges have listed. So you can do, you know, uh, you can't just... Is, uh, is Bitcoin Cash on Bit.com? Is that why? Yeah, or? yeah Bitcoin Cash is on um, Bit.com. And uh, yeah. So I'm so, assuming with Bybit, I think Bybit has more, right? So that's going to expand. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, super excited about that. We're going to be adding a lot more uh, assets uh, very soon with these integrations, which are coming within the next uh, two months. Bybit is almost done. And actually, together with Bybit, we're launching this new product, which is, uh, it's going to be kind of, we're going to be streaming uh, future spreads. And the way it works is going to be just, um, a screen where you have expiry by expiry and all the different pairs of spreads so you can see in one screen all the combinations of uh you know perpetual and for month or like future in future and streaming let's see all the prices all at once and uh yeah so we're doing that together uh with bybit and then with the next uh OKS and ftx ones we import them you will also be able to use that product with them so Especially, I don't know, you probably saw it around uh, between Q1 and beginning of Q2. Basis rates on futures were just fantastic, right? Because there were premiums of like 20, 30% on Bitcoin. So yeah, so volumes exploded over the first four months or, or five months with uh, with futures. So that was like part of like the idea also to provide this tool. So it's easier for traders. And so, yeah, I mean, can you can you kind of explain? I, I think many of our listeners probably understand the basis trade, but can you explain it, you know, to everyone else? But also, kind of go into why uh, it's no longer as profitable, uh, you know, these days. Right. Yeah. So for the basis trades, what happens here is that you have an, kind of like an opportunity here where you see uh, a perpetual, of course, at like spot price, or you know, you're also holding like spot. And then uh, the deferred month, so the, the futures are uh, at a lot higher uh, price, right? So what happened in March or April, you had the perpetual at spot price, and then December was trading, I think it was like $72,000. So you had a $12,000 premium there. So, and that with that, you can also like combine, uh, combine lending, right? And uh, you can just like borrow 
to um, take advantage of this like premium in the spreads. So uh, yeah, so the first five months of the year, everyone was basically doing that until the market crashed. Also because like the market was very bullish. So that's why also you, you were able to do like this uh, uh, premiums. And if we had to continue going up, you could have probably continue still doing this as of today. There were concerns with the landing and I, uh, yeah, I remember you probably know Roch, he went on Bloomberg to talk about it actually. And they were, they, one of the questions they asked him was like, what happens if like suddenly everything crashes, right? Because, you know, then you enter liquidations and stuff. And uh, I guess that's what happened also on, uh, on May 19th with all the liquidations. And then from there, of course, um, yeah, right now uh, with implied volatility just kind of not being as exciting as it was earlier this year. Right now, uh, basis trades are not as uh, attractive as they were before. Also, something to note here, um, the attractiveness of basis trades sometimes, it also depends geographically, meaning that so in the U.S., especially for like traditional funds, when they see this like 30 percent, 20 percent premiums, it's very exciting for them because at the current cost of capital, like for them, they do around what, like yearly, they do like from 10 to 15%. So for them saying just like 30% all at once, it also attracted all these institutions, all these like five people into the space for the future uh, uh, spreads to, uh, yeah, to take advantage of this, uh, of this yield. But then, yeah, so that I'm saying geographically, because then if you move to, if you look at Asian markets, like they actually already see many times these returns in traditional finance. So it's not, it was not that appealing in that geography, but it is uh, very appealing here. And so speaking of geography, I'm curious as to where you've seen a lot more activity. Obviously, we had this China news that, that, that that's come out or consistent China news, whereas exchange are getting pushed out, you know, miners are getting shut down, this and that. Where are you seeing activity? Are you seeing a, a big percentage of your business coming from Asia, from Europe, from the US? I'm curious. And how has that been evolving? Yeah. I think U.S. still predominates. There was a time where maybe Asia was predominating more. I personally feel also that Asia does a lot more OTC than the U.S. does. Uh, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't know, just kind of for like what I hear from like uh, friends and customers. And then uh, the U.S., I mean, they do also quite a lot of OTC, but you see a lot more volume coming um, from U.S. markets or even Europe. I would say maybe Asia is like, 20% or less right now. And uh, just overall, uh, it also depends on the day, of course. But yeah, um, and then US, like most of it, uh, there's a lot of Europe. I think Europe is actually growing quite a lot. Uh, there's a lot of traditional finance there. So you see a lot of like uh, companies either based in London or, or like Germany, like starting to pick up a lot of interest. So yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting to, interesting to see how it evolves, uh, especially because you still have the funds in Singapore that they, you know, uh, those are also growing a lot. But yeah, let's see how yeah, we move. Yeah, I was about to ask, my next question is the Asian funds, where are they predominantly? And, and you're seeing them in Singapore specifically? It's either Singapore or Hong Kong, most of them. Like, yeah, they're either Singapore or Hong Kong. Um, and then sometimes you, you see Taiwan, but not that much. What about what about Korea or mainland? Um, not that much, actually. I have not really seen that many, even Japan. I was surprised. Uh, there's not uh, a lot of, uh, maybe there's some part of regulation that I'm missing here, but yeah, Singapore. And no, I mean, Korea, I think has one big fund, which is, which is hashed is, uh, very large, but I, I think to your point that it is a small market. I mean, we see the same thing. It's constantly, it's, it's Singapore, Hong Kong, Singapore, Hong Kong, Singapore, Hong Kong. Every yeah. So, even the big desks are Singapore, Hong Kong. So. It's the, uh, you know, you know exactly. same, same kind of 
Yeah. And so, and so how, you know, just to quickly go back to, to paradigm and then a couple more questions, but then we'd love to shift gears toward, towards the market more broadly. How do people actually access the platform? Is it, is it a web-based portal? Is it something mm-hmm. they can download? Can they trade on their phone? Right. Um, actually, whatever you want, you can either download the client interface or on your computer, you can access uh, to the phone app, or you can also access through a web app. So really, it depends on uh, what the customer wants to do. Very cool. And so, you know, I, your job is, is VP of institutional sales. And so, you know, I, I presume your job is, is mainly going out and, and actually doing sales. But I'm curious as to what, you know, Paradigm is a, is a rapidly growing, you know, very successful company. What does your day to day actually look like? Right. So we, my day to day is actually, yeah, as you're going out there, of course, but at the same time, we have a lot of calls. And then also with our customers, I like to keep in touch with them as much as I can. Like if I, of course, it's impossible to keep in touch with everyone every day. But also, as you're saying, we're like super fast growing companies. So we're adding new products all the time, right? We have this, uh, Future Spreads uh, product that I was just telling you about, but then we also have a second version of our uh, Korean RFQ launching also in like two, three weeks, which uh, it's going to be basically the same, but we're going to allow for limit orders, partial fills. It's going to be a completely, um, it's going to be an open auction, right? So right now when you submit an RFQ, the taker can see who the maker is and what the quotes for each maker uh, is, but then makers cannot see their quotes between them. So it's a blind auction for them. But then with this new system, it's just going to be like open auction and everyone will be able to kind of like, you know, for each level, say how much quantity and size they have. So, so it's kind so, of yeah. in, in an order book in a way. So, yeah, sort of uh, like an RFQ order book. You, you can you can kind of see it like that way. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, you know, just kind of like uh, telling customers about what's coming uh, that's new and getting their feedback and doing also like discovery right like what is it that you want to see next uh what are you missing on the platform is there any product that you know we can we can also speak with our partners and see if they want to list it and uh so yeah so from one side there's like the sales side of like speaking with new customers and onboarding new people and then there's also the side of like keeping up with the current customers see what they need what else we're going to do to help them show them what's coming up get their feedback so yeah, very dynamic, I guess. Um, nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> and so, you know, how have you seen the, the market evolve? Um, you know, you talked about geographically, you know, a little bit how the markets evolve, but, but in terms of the types of clients, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know you've only been at Paradigm for, for a few months, but I'm sure you've heard from Anand and the rest of the team. I mean, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. I think it's on Anand's LinkedIn that there are over 400 enterprises or institutions exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we just 500 actually. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm not giving away any secrets here. So. No. <laughs> so you know what what are those what are those clients look like today? I mean, you know what what you know is it majority hedge funds? Is it you know family all like what does it actually look like yeah so there's uh from prime brokerage to hedge funds asset managers family offices high network individuals prop desk trading desk so uh and they all have different strategies right um also because they prime brokerage they, they might be doing they have maybe they have like different uh desks they might have like a landing desk trading desk uh yeah so they they all have like kind of like different strategies same for same for hedge funds you have the classic hedge fund that is like really involved and maybe they have a trading desk and they do a lot of like ball trading. But at the same time, you might have the kind of hedge fund that they just come once a month 
and they buy, uh, they just want to protect their uh, spot holdings. And then they, you know, they just basically hedge with uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, the current holdings. Same with VCs. You have a lot of VCs also just like hedging. The VC part is kind of new, I'd say. Like you didn't really used to see those before, but I think that after March last year, and then that was like kind of like the first call to get VCs to protect their uh, portfolio. And then I think after this May is kind of like the second call of like, hey, remember, it's a good idea to do this, protect your portfolio. Especially well, in similar vein, I'm, I'm curious, have you seen any miners start to show interest? Because I, you know, I did a podcast episode with, with Mike Collier, who's a, mm -hmm. an awesome guy. He's the, the CEO of DCG Foundry. And he was mentioning that you know on the Genesis side, uh, you know, Genesis has started to help out miners with with hedging their risk and hedging their positions. I'm curious if you're seeing similar, you know, interest. They, yeah, absolutely. Miners, they, yeah, they generally, um, yeah, they have to protect their rewards, right? So, uh, and I also saw that, that a, a lot of lead drags as well. They generally like to uh, sell calls or, yeah, they just create yield, basically what they have. It, again, it depends. In the, some of them have trading desks, so they actually do more vol trading, but the ones that are just like kind of like, our main operation is mining and we just want to protect our assets. They just uh, uh, strictly hedge. Yeah, it's interesting to me that like some miners have trading desks because that's just not the same skill set. It's like a totally, it's like you're operating two businesses at once. Like if you're a miner, are you supposed to be a speculator? Like, I guess a lot of these things are private operations, so it, it doesn't really matter, but it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic. I, I agree. There's, you know, new industry, there's, uh, I agree. It's, uh, I, completely different skill set but i think they're all seeing a big opportunity here so definitely not opposed it's similar like we always get asked you know do you trade right you know we're, we're we have probably the most data in the entire space right and we have it's all you know a lot of proprietary actual data people ask do you trade you know if if, if you think this data can help drive alpha why don't why, why aren't you trading i'm like because i don't know how to trade i'm not a trader it's like a totally yeah. not quant. i'm not a trader like I'm good at data and I think there's a giant opportunity in data, which is why I'm serving the market. But like being able to procure data, clean data, build a business around data is a lot different than being a trader and, and you know, building all these different complex strategies in the data. So I think it's kind of a you know, similar, similar type of thought. I, I could not agree more with you on that. Yeah. And so, you know, in 2017 and in previous bull markets, right, you know, those markets were 100% were retail driven, right? Or 99% retail driven. This time it feels a little bit different, but I'm curious as to how much you think institutions are actually driving this market, you know, driving the movement that we're seeing today. Are institutions actually protecting us? Or are they giving us a floor? And how much is that split between Bitcoin and alts? And I know, you know, from you guys, you're really only seeing BTC, ETH, BCH flow, but I'm curious as to your overall perspective there. Yeah, I... I thought about that in May on May 19th. I was like, how much of this crash is uh, retail? How much of it it's it's uh, institutional, right? And I I think that of course the retail adoption has grown a lot, but I don't think it's big enough where it does affect the market. But then I think it triggers more li the liquidations here, right? Because uh, you know, maybe the big, big moves are driven by dumb retail trade. Exactly, exactly. So, but it might be if you look at if you look at their move compared to how much the market dropped in total, it's maybe it's not that much, but that was enough to trigger the whole cascade of liquidations. So yeah, so I don't think there's stop stop trading with a hundred times leverage. Please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 
all my friends that get into the space, I always tell them Bitcoin, just like only asset, do not do leverage. It's just don't like, unless you really know what you're doing and it's for like a minute, you know, like do not do a hundred X leverage and keep it open. I was thinking about it this morning, right? Like I was like, wow, all these people that open up a contract in January uh, or- um, does, it, does it somebody offer 150X leverage? I don't know who it is, but I've definitely seen it. That's it. I think 125 was the max, but maybe there was 150. Either way, it doesn't make a difference. It's just it's, ridiculous. The price moves by you know, a, a seven tenths of a percent and you're liquidated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know why, I wonder how many, but I think like most of these platforms, they only allow you to do 125X for like four hours and, uh, or like for a limited time. And then for like only a thousand dollars or like $5,000. So are you saying I can't send an RFQ through Paradigm for a 125X leveraged? Uh, no, no, you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> You're limited to the uh, margin or the leverage that uh, exchanges have, but that'd be fun. Imagine if you do like a thousand Bitcoin RFQ at 125X. <laughs> Oh God. Uh, there's a couple of funds I'm thinking about that I feel like in the height of the bull market would have thought about it. Maybe not a thousand, maybe a thousand ETH, not a thousand Bitcoin. Yeah. A thousand yeah. Big amount of money. Uh, so yeah. And, and so what do you think about altcoins though? I mean, you know, obviously you're not dealing with these counterparties, you know, or they're not counterparties or customers. You know, these guys are not, are not trading altcoins through you, but what are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing institutional demand just on BTC just on BTC, yeah. do, you, do you think that once you roll out more assets, the demand is already there? Absolutely not. Uh, uh, we, I get a lot of questions every day, especially either new accounts or even existing ones that they wanna they want options on DeFi. So either on 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 Dodd, on uh, on Cardano, on uh, is that is that because they don't want to custody the spot assets or? Or they, they have already some holdings and they want to protect it and then they don't want to do it through Bitcoin Ethereum if the correlation is not strong enough. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, it depends on uh, the strategy of uh, each, each one of them. So the question here is more, is there demand, right? Like there is demand. So, but like, and makers can actually effectively price these uh, this options, but is there enough demand right now? Because even so Bitcoin Ethereum, of course, in the last 12 months, we've seen a lot of maturity, but there's it's there's probably not enough maturity where, where you can actually also like include derivatives on the on derivatives, you know, so just building like even more complex um, structures, but we're getting there. So we're we're, st we're still early, but we're actually really getting there with Bitcoin Ethereum, although right now things kind of, you know, if there's no volatility, there's if there's no vol, there's no point also on building new uh, structured products. But then if we apply the same logic into um, DeFi options or like, yeah, altcoins options, we need to bring the demand there. Where we're, it, it will get there for sure. But first we need, you know, I think whatever demand we're bringing already to Bitcoin Ethereum and it's growing at some point, it will also come to DeFi. So I do think that and, but do you think that runs the board across all of the tech client types that you have, or is that limited toward to definitely not to all of them. Top shops or yeah, not all of them? Uh, depends on the risk of each one of them. And there's some of them that are like strictly Bitcoin, others are strictly Ethereum, others they might do both, but they don't do, they don't touch anything else. Others they were only doing Bitcoin, and then in May with Ethereum kind of like you know skyrocketing, they also got into Ethereum a little bit. If you actually look at our data in uh, in May the volume between in general like most of the uh trading volume is is bitcoin i would i'm not sure, sure this play but maybe like 80 20 or something like that 
And then the month of May was almost 50-50 between uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, which was uh, really interesting to see for the first time how, you know, because... That's probably back to 80-20 again. Now, yeah, I actually, uh, we're going to run the stats for June tomorrow because that's like July 1st. Uh, but yeah, I think this month has been, uh, yeah, probably back to to a bit, yeah, 80-20 or like 70-30, something like that. There's There's been quite a lot of like, good ethereum days this month but yeah definitely not like may and uh so you know we talked a lot about a bunch of different uh exchanges and i'm gonna throw something out that you probably haven't heard in a while and i'm curious to your thoughts that okay uh, what the hell is going on there what it what is it's, have you has anybody asked you to i mean they're apparently spacking or they were spacking at a few billion has anyone ever asked you to add support for back they know uh, we don't get the question for back, um, but I think they were focusing now on like credit card rewards. Is that correct? Yeah, they have a, They have a, an app that does like credit card travel rewards. Crypto, yeah, all in one in a wallet. Um, yeah, I yeah. looked at their volume. It was kind of sad. It was a little bit sad. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to push uh, a regulated oh, exchange. You actually have a back person who just joined you, actually. I we think. do have, yeah, our global head of sales. Yeah, her name is also Laura. We are the two Lauras. Uh, we're known as the Lauras now, which is super funny. But yeah, she's she's great. She brought all this great knowledge also. She came from ICE. So yeah, she has a, a good background there. But yeah, I think that it was just, it's just, it's hard. I remember also on my Ledger X days, right? Like there's another, so in the US, for regular exchanges, there's of course CME, uh, LedgerX, Bact, and then AriesX, which I don't think anyone really knows about. Is that that's DRW's thing? Is AriesX? Uh, I think I want I want to say AriesX is actually backed by Fidelity, but I'm not sure. I forgot. But yeah, it also and, and I remember, yeah, they had they actually have a lot of funding. So I I always thought these guys one day they're gonna you know come up with something and they're gonna just surprise everyone, but. I don't know what's uh, what's up with them, honestly. Um, but it's it's. I think that is also the dilemma of every single new exchange or like even a DEX, market makers, liquidity. It's really the hardest thing to get. And how do you get it, right? Like from one side, you can build a really good market a market making program, but you know at the same time, then you have makers, but you need to get all the takers. You need to get all the other side of the trade. So. It is really hard, and uh, I don't know. Maybe AM AMMs are the the future for this sort of. Uh... Yeah, well, it's nice when you're a, a Deribit or some of these other exchanges. You also have retail flow mixed in. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you look at the numbers actually. So Paradigm, we do uh, around thirty percent of the global op options trades. And uh, that's like global. So that includes uh, retail and uh, any other institutional that goes directly on Deribit. And then for the blogs, it's like almost, it's like 95% of all Deribit's uh, blog trades, but it gives you an idea of like the split, right? Like there's actually a big chunk of institutional, but there's even a larger retail base that is like what, 70% of the of Deribit or like 60%, between 60 and 70%. And so, you know, we talked about a lot of different you know, offerings, but what types of financial products do you think institutions, uh, you know, would like to see most in, in like the mid, you know, short, long term? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so from one side, especially for like, I think TriPi would really enjoy to have like more uh, besides like just options, just like derivatives and derivatives, indexes, like any other like uh, structure product you can think of. 
And then other things as well that I think that could help the market is uh, different kinds of collateral, right? So right now on uh, Deribit, when you do portfolio margin, um, or like I think on most exchanges, you need uh, your margin is done on, on Bitcoin, right? Like you, you can't use any other asset. And then another thing like CME, for instance, all their, um, everything is run in USD. So you can't use like Bitcoin as collateral or anything like that. So I think like all these like small changes uh, would absolutely help adoption for like better, that, not adoption, but also increase in, uh, in demand and products on, on all these uh, exchanges. And so what do you think of the current uh, regulatory landscape, uh, both within the United States and offshore? And what recent developments have caught your attention the most? And you know, what impact do you think they're going to have on the market? Yeah, there are several theories here. I know that, of course, the, regu the regulated platforms will tell you that regulation is the future and ultimately everything will be regulated and offshore accounts will or offshore um, platforms will die. I I don't think so. I think there's like room for both, right? So you have like the really TradFi or like uh, highly regulated institutions in the US that they will mainly focus on on the regulated platforms. But then the ones that already have offshore setups, you know, like uh, how many people in the crypto space have moved to the Caribbean in the last uh, in the last six months, right? Like this one will still will will still we stay here. Awesome at your uh, at your birthday party the other day. So. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> But coming um, back because now they're way below their high water marks. There's no point in being in uh, being there anymore. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think we all had that idea, and now I'm just yeah. I mean, I moved to Miami, right? So <laughs> now it's and like you're why back in New York? So <laughs> and now I'm back in New York. Exactly. That didn't last for long, but um, yeah. So I think there's room for both, and actually, I I'm. I'm always I'm not that I'm always for the offshore one, but like the, the nice thing about having all this offshore development is that this you have all these like very smart people that can gather up and come up with new products that TriFi would not allow to get it through because of either regulation or you need to, every time you release a new product has to like go through like a billion audits and it takes like three, four years to do like a baby step, right? Whereas if you first build it on this like either on DeFi or like offshore, then, you know, it, it can kind of like grow into, uh, not necessarily go into TradFi, but like you can bring it then onshore more easily because you already built a case for it. And so let's talk markets. Um, you know, what do you think of the current state of crypto markets? Uh, where do you think we are? Uh, mm -hmm. and where do you think we're headed? I think right now we're taking a break. Um, I think that, okay, I think May 19th was, was deemed to happen. We all knew that. I just, I don't know when it was going to happen. I had, all right, I knew, I had friends already that in February, March, they were already pretty bearish and saying like, oh no, cash out, cash out. And uh, yeah, so, but you, all, you always have these people, right? That they're just like, I don't know if like less risk averse or through all the bulls they got uh, hurt. And now they, they're like a little bit, a little, a little bit less uh, risk averse. But yeah, so I think this was, it was supposed, it was, it had to happen. Now the question is how long are we going to stay here? And then where are we going to settle next? Right? So how long are we going to stay like this? I think for sure this summer it's going to be pretty quiet. If you actually look at the uh, SKUs, you you see that basically short term is like pre pretty bearish. And then long term is not bullish, but it's, you know, it's neutral, which might mean that you can still pick up, you know, and just, uh, 
go back to the, the bull times. That's where Bitcoin for Ethereum is pretty much standard, like looking a little bit better. But we also have the new protocol that is um, releasing, I think, in a few weeks. So that might actually we might see some fun there. And uh, as for the rest, I mean, I we saw it this past few months, right? Like as Ethereum price of Ethereum increases, then DeFi kind of follows because uh, or at least all the at least ERC twenty tokens follow, right? So I'm hoping to see something like that once it picks up a little bit. So maybe we do have a DeFi summer after all with the new well, protocol. The, the thing that I always like to say is that when when no one's talking about crypto by Bitcoin. When everyone's talking about Bitcoin, buy shitcoins. And when people start buying shitcoins, run. And we all should have ran. Yeah. You're, yeah. Next time, everyone listen to Joshua Frank. He knows. Oh, I didn't listen to myself. <laughs> I, I'm so, we, we, we were joking about this earlier. I'm so far down. I know. I did yeah. not listen to myself either. I am, I am probably down in the neighborhood of, of 40 to 50% overall. But I think I, everyone yeah. Same, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more, but I, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I have not even checked my portfolio in the past few weeks. because I don't I'm even just, want to look at the price of sushi. No, just, I, do not do that. No, that was a bad LA decision over dinner. Do, do not do that. But uh, yeah, no. I, 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 was, I was encouraged to put more in than I originally had. There was a, there was a double dip there. Yeah, yeah, same here. I don't know if it was the same for you, but at least for me, May 19th, I just... Even if I wanted to close any position, I, I just could not. Like the day was so busy for us that I was, I, my mind, I was like, listen, I work in crypto. If the ship goes down, I'm going to go with it, whatever. If not, I'm here because I I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. But the thing is, March 12th of last year, when we crashed into 3,700, I had some dry powder and I put, I put more cash in. You nice. Know, I, I, I got, I got, a, I got some Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, this time around, there was no, there was no drive powder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, actually, even worse. I had March was terrible for me because I had just moved to New York, so I had paid for like the moving and like the deposit. Oh yeah, the second you pay the deposit, first month rent exactly. New York. Exactly, New York is terrible, right? Like first, last month, whatever, like a bunch of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. So March was was painful, and this time, yeah, same. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see how it evolves. But we're here for the long uh, run, so it's gonna be okay. And so let's talk about the market recovering, and let's pretend we're coming back. And you know, I, I, for all intents and purposes, I think we are not investment advice. But at some point, I believe this market will be back. But mm -hmm. I'm curious as to what will be back, and, and what do you think will be back? Because I think you're in the same the same you know frame of mind. You know, you wouldn't be in crypto if you didn't think a market existed. You know, and specifically, I'd love to talk about layer ones, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, ETH and ETH moving to ETH2 and what that enables and ETH side chains and blah, 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 whatever. But at the same time, we've seen the rise of all these other layer ones, whether it be Solana, Avalanche, Algorand, you name it. So yeah. I'm curious as to where you kind of see the market going. Do you see this a winner take all market? Do you see a multi-chain future? Yeah. I see actually more, once we start recovering, I actually see more of like a fight of the layer ones and maybe like any of the other shit coins, they're not going to recover as much because in the end, what you want is like projects that bring value, right? And a lot, there's, there was a lot of like shit coins that were raising in, in value. I remember I checked my account, I think it was November or Dece December probably. Bitcoin was around 13, 14K, maybe 15, maybe, I don't know. It's still below 20K. And I was just like, how are all this 
shit coins that I had bought on Coinbase four or five years ago, super like I was like maybe like two three x. I'm just I was just like this makes literally no sense because these guys have not done anything. And then they ran another fifteen times. Then exactly exactly, but yeah. Uh, anyways, I to me make no sense, right? And then everything continued going up, and it, it just like the whole market, even in like March April was ridiculous. The whole NFT thing in April, there I started getting a little bit sketched there, right? Like they were just NFTs selling for like. 150 ethereum that were just a black picture you know what i mean just or like a pink picture just like nothing like you know just one color just it made no sense so uh yeah so i think like with, with the recovery thing you're gonna have a lot of people that are just not gonna hopefully i well, hope they're not gonna pay that much attention to this uh to these uh trades you're you're probably still gonna have all the retail apes all the wall, wall street bets people just suddenly jumping into you know like bunnies into one thing or the other one but I hope that the other people will have learned their lesson and read more into actually what each project is trying to build. And then it's going to be more of a, for the later ones, like more of a fight of like who's providing more value, right? Like all the projects you mentioned, I actually really like them all. I love Solana. I love Avalanche. You know, I think the, the two of them are building a really strong team, really good uh, tech, and they're actually building projects that are from one side, I mean, they're creating value, you know, they're actually creating value. So I'm very interested to see also how like everything with me. What, what you think value is like, is value transactional speed? Is it, is it cost? Is it the yeah. application built on side? What right. actually makes a layer one valuable? Value. Okay. I think there's two sides of it. From one side is uh, fees, right? Like I, for instance, Cardano, I think, those guys are great, you know, they have the idea and like the tech is not, it's good, but they're, they're just not creating any monetary value. I think it's like what, 20 grand a year, something like that. So I don't know. This is Cardano? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Retail Probably. is it, retail. Go on YouTube and type in crypto. They Every love- video is Cardano. I, 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 I showed, so so we can, we can talk about this. I showed Hassan Vasiri, this guy Crypto Crow on YouTube, and he's obsessed now just with how ridiculous <laughs> these videos are about Cardano. Uh, he, he he thinks they're calming, so he watches them to go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> I watched God. a video of somebody on YouTube crying about how Cardano changed their life. Oh my, okay, I need to watch that. That sounds ridiculous, yeah. I don't know. I know that the team, they're smart people, but it's just not delivering, you know? It's just, they're not... I mean, retail, retail. Retail. Exactly, you said exactly. yourself, seventy percent of the options market is retail, and and e- that's even after all these institutions have come in. I mean, yeah. for as much as crypto is institutionalizing, it's absolutely still a retail market. And I think you know, to to the point you made earlier, you know, look, dead coins may come back again because people love gambling. At the end of the day, like what did well during the pandemic? It's the sins. It's yeah. alcohol. It's gambling. It's yeah. crypto and it's weed and all these different things. And crypto's in that bucket and people really like gambling. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know. And that's what actually, now that you say that, that's like funny because during the pandemic, I think that's when Binance launched the um, like 30 minutes options and like one hour options and four hour options that they're actually only available in Asia. And that's because they love gambling there, right? So it's really, and I, I think you can only. I think you can only buy calls. I forgot what it was. It was like the whole thing was ridiculous. I have to look more into it. But like, yeah, people like gambling. So that's why it's an easy way. One of our favorite favorite projects and uh, to to show them a little bit is Hero, HXRO, 
uh, and they allow you to bet on the price of Bitcoin every minute. Um, is it going to go up or down with live odds, uh, which is pretty cool. Wow. So wait, is, is it binary? Can you say yes or no? Or can you only say yes? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's up or down. You can say yes or no. Uh, but okay. they're bringing like power mutual options uh, on the blockchain. It's a super cool platform. For everyone listening, I released another episode with Rob Levy, who's the president of Hero. Uh, he goes into detail there. It's an awesome project with the most impressive listed investors of almost any project in the space. So check out that episode. Nice. I'm going to listen to that next. Yeah, that sounds actually, yeah, it's super interesting. But yeah, I mean, when did he launch it? Was it over pandemic or? No, no, no. It's been around for a while. It's okay. been around for a while. But I, but I think the point being is that I think the idea of betting on the fact that retail enjoys short term taking positions and using leverage and things like that, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Yeah, no, no, me neither. Me neither. But um, yeah, so it's, I think, around March or uh, February, I looked at the top 10, I went on coin market cap to see like, what were the top 10 uh, coins with like the largest market cap. And I was like, out of 10, eight are like terrible, or like seven are like terrible, you know, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You, you check it. And, and occasionally, if you go by like top 50, things just start popping up in there. And you're like, what is this thing? Where yeah. did this thing come from? You start scrolling down and you're like, wait, what? Is that, is that, I, I saw an asset and I don't want to call it out, but this asset hit the top hundred. I like the team is very nice. It hit the top hundred by market cap. And there's less than a thousand holders of this. And like 90% of the supply was held by two accounts. I'm like, this is a little bit. <laughs> but that's an easy way to bump it. it, it that's why it hit the top hundred. There you go. <laughs> exactly. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of hit on this briefly um, with the different things that you're kind of looking at with, with layer ones and why things will win. But, you know, this, you know, after all is, is the fundamental, you know, value podcast. And so we ask all our, all our, you know, guests about how they view, you know, and how they define fundamentals. So how do you define, you know, fundamentals for digital assets? You know, does it depend on, on, on the token and do fundamentals even matter? Uh, and, and I think I'd like to expand that to, I'll let you take that and I have a condition maybe to add, but, but do fundamentals that matter? What are fundamentals and do they depend on the token? Uh, I think they used to matter more before than they matter now, or like at least they've mattered over the last, uh, you know, few months, but uh, absolutely. I think, or at least I want to think that as the market matures, fundamentals will matter. Right. And for me, what those are is, uh, you know, just, how is the product doing? What are they releasing? Are they focusing on things that the community wants? Uh, is there really a market for what they're trying to build? Um, what else? The the speed of the of the deliveries and and how well like also like it, it, does the code break or not? And I just I, we all know what happened two weeks ago with uh, with Iron, right? So um, <laughs> anyway. Shout out to Mark Cuban. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Um, but yeah, so I do think they, they do matter. And I think they will matter again. So with the next kind of, you know, going back to layer ones and like what a thing that in the next uh, kind of bowl, we'll see the layer ones not fighting with each other, but like trying to find a space in the market. That's when they're, these things are really going to matter. Because, you know, otherwise, how would you choose where to, like what's going to be the next thing? Or the direction of the market 
Like, what are you going to say? I can see your face. You have a thought. No, 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 no. I know you're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at my question list here. I'll just pull it up another time. No, no, I agree with you. And, and my, look, my follow-up, my follow-up point, the point that I was going to add was, does it depend on whether it's a bull or bear market? But I don't want to lead you, but you, you naturally went down that rabbit hole anyways, where yeah. I'm in the same boat, right? Fundamentals in a bear market start to look like they matter a lot more than a bull market where people call exactly. you know, supply unlocking bullish unlocks. And you're like, eh, it doesn't really make any sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So now I think it's going to be all about building, right? During a bearish uh, market, you want to build, build, build. So you actually start creating, uh, I don't want to say the word again, but like, yeah, adding value and just like, you know, just building a strong product and then that will act consequently help you during the bull market. But then, yeah, during the bull market is just aping into all these different things. And so you actually brought this up right before we started recording and you wanted to look up this question and look up the answer, but I didn't let you. I said, I'm going straight into it because yeah. you were like trying to ask yourself, what even, even is a meme token? I was like, I want you to just go off the cuff and just what, what is, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, we in our head, like Dogecoin's a meme token, Sheev is a meme token, like, but what, what is a meme token? Do they matter? Do they have any longevity? Like, will we see more meme tokens in the future? I mean, look at AMC stock and I, look, I haven't checked in a few weeks. I don't actively track, but it, but it's absurd. When's the, who's been, when, when is the last time you went to an AMC movie? I haven't been to one. Um, so, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, like to me, meme stocks are the same thing. You know, they're, they're retail driven, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm curious to your thoughts. Yeah, I, I exactly. I was just today. I was sitting down. I was like, "What is exactly a meme token? Like, what is the utility of it? Why? How do you build it? Like, what do you the do utility of memes? Like, yeah, you and okay, but it's like, I guess, I guess each meme is like pegged to a token. I don't know. Like, you can. I, use I have an interesting. I have an interesting itself. theory. That the utility is community. People uh, yeah. look for things to believe in. And to get behind it, I think what, what Wall Street bets and all these things have been able to do is bring people together behind something kind of at a time where the world is seemingly so disconnected with COVID. And maybe this is a much deeper, deeper opinion on a meme token, but I think I think it's community. I mean, that's crypto. At the end of the day, crypto no. is segment it's community, right? I, I buy that. I'm going to buy that. I like that idea of uh, the community. But yeah, I think it also goes around like what jokes and events and... Uh, but I kind of want to see it applied. I don't know if anyone knows anything or like any comments, please let me know any project that, you know, I just want to see something, an application built on like one of these blockchains, one of this like meme tokens. So. But is, is in the idea of the meme token that it's just a meme, that there's nothing there's else? There's nothing around it, right? That's, yeah. I mean, are, you, are you asking for there to be real technology built on Cumrocket? Like... <laughs> Yeah, oh my God, come on, I it's funny. I was uh in Miami having dinner with uh, uh you know a large group of people, and uh, this guy was like, "Yeah, I invested a lot in like this token and come rocket," and I was just like, "Welcome to the DJM world," but I'm so sorry for your loss. That was yeah. I was out for for dinner with a friend who works at one of the largest asset management firms in the world, probably top ten by asset management. Uh, by assets under management. I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. And uh, he told me that he had bought Pussycoin. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. That's amazing. Like, Wait, I have a friend. I, he's like, he only bought five grand worth, but he's like, I just bought five grand worth of this thing. Is it going to go to moon? Is it going to go up? What do you think? I'm like, what uh, are you doing? Uh, okay. So going back to meme token, I don't know if you saw, I think Iron today, they tweeted that they were going to do kind of like a version two meme token or something like that. And uh, 
it's funny because when everything went down with Iron a couple of weeks ago, this friend of mine messaged me. He's not he's not in crypto at all. He's like TradFi uh, mortgages, like not crypto at all. And but he's a little bit involved. He invested in a few funds, but not really active. And then he's like, "What do you think should I buy?" And I was just I was just like, "I don't. Why do you want to buy? You know, give me your." And then at some point he, after like, I didn't tag my phone and like three hours later, he's like, okay, I YOLO it. I just bought, same thing. Like he's like, I just put like two grand, whatever, which was something like 13 billion tokens or like 14 billion tokens. And uh, for a second, for a split second, I had a little bit of FOMO. I was like, wow, if this goes to a dollar, I mean, of course it's not going to happen, but I was like, imagine if that ever happens. Cause you know, I don't know, wait for Wall Street bets to, of course they have to fix their tech before they can do anything, but yeah, it's just crazy. Just like, yeah, people are still like yoloing into different things, even uh, yeah, right now. Crypto TikTok is an especially interesting place for that. Uh, that yeah. You haven't found yourself down the crypto TikTok rabbit hole, but. Uh... I I just did not even allow myself to download TikTok, but I don't it's, know. It's, 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 it's great entertainment, but we're actually doing, uh, believe it or not, I don't think I ever talked about this publicly. We may be the first company in the world that's doing sentiment data on TikTok. So we're actively scraping and pulling in TikTok data uh, to try to understand how you can use that to actually trade. Um, because we think a lot of these smaller altcoins uh, are being purely driven by TikTok. So you're doing uh, sentiment analysis on TikTok. What'd you say? We're doing sentiment analysis on TikTok. We're, we're, we think there's alpha in TikTok data, yeah. That is... I, could, I would buy that. I would actually buy that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's still, it's still early. It's still preliminary. We do YouTube as well. And there's a lot going on there, you know, um, you know, similarly, but, uh, yeah, retail has got a big, a big pull in this market. It's, and so, yeah. you know, my next question and, you know, this is off the cuff, but you know, what is your hottest take right now in crypto? My hottest take in crypto. Hmm. I don't know. It's so sad right now. Go against the crowd. Go against the crowd. Go against the crowd. I I've been honestly I've been telling friends uh, to to get Solana. You know, that's a safe bet. Uh, I don't know why. I, I think it's a it's gonna perform well. But other than that, I don't know. Um, I think we talked a little about about it earlier. But I I like a cash as well. Cloud computing on on blockchain, but. That's the only probably, thing I know about a cash network is that they had a booth at Miami Bitcoin and they weren't there the entire time I walked. They did have one, yeah. I, I, okay, the, the Miami conference, like that was kind of kind of ridiculous. I went one day on Friday morning that was really hot. I got really like hangry after two hours of trying to find food and and three hours in each food truck and I just left. But yeah, there was I think yeah um, Thursday whale day was great. The rest, the other two days uh, was just. It was too much. I, I couldn't. Yeah, it was hard to like even say hi to anyone. I did went to your booth and I did not see you. Yeah, I've been. I was running around. I was running around. Our booth looked pretty nice though, and uh, I hope my team. I hope my team was good there. So. Yeah, no, they were very nice, but I did not see you. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I do like what you're building. So and I think they've been releasing really cool things. So yeah, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, so the, the idea is to um, decentralize uh, cloud computing, right? So at least, um, yeah, so effectively making it cheaper than it is right now to run it on either AWS Solo or Google Cloud Platform. And just as an idea, I was reading this, it was, this was like a few months ago, I don't know, I didn't really like 
verified or anything, but on a Twitter thread, someone was saying, hey, I've run the numbers. If they manage to take 1% of the cloud uh, computing, uh, global cloud computing uh, industry, the token could like even go all the way up to like $70. So just by like, to, if you compare it by like market. What, what is the token price now for efforts? I think $3, $3, $4 or three, something like that. Yeah. All time high has been like $8 or $7. It started at like a few cents. So yeah. So I, I think they will perform well. Uh, they just announced a partnership this morning. I haven't read into it, but like, it looks like they're, they've been like continuously working on new releases and, yeah, and then another one. I personally like Flow, which is from uh, CryptoKitties, right? Um, they, yeah, they are. I think this summer they're working on some sort of like soccer partnership, uh, and then thinking something that they're also gonna release is like uh, something um, similar to like the NBA Top Shot, but like something with like cricket in in India. So yeah, so and they have really really good partners if you go to their website like actually big names or big players either in sports or in gaming so that's so one of the things that i like how much, really how much of this is a fad though uh with a lot of this nft stuff i mean i think the 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 benefit that maybe flow or dapper has is that they have so many of these partnerships but if you look at nba top shot it was on espn like all the nba players were talking about it. everybody wanted it like i you know you know and, and then and then you know I haven't, no one's told me. The only thing I get from Top Shot is they keep emailing me to buy packs before I was clamoring to get every drop. And now I'm just like, I don't care. I, uh, yeah, no, I never bought any of those. I, I, I don't know. For me, it's more like just let the token do whatever. I mean, I just have no time to go down the rabbit hole and like look into it. But yeah, I, I agree. I still a new project. So hopefully, you know, they continue working uh, on it. I mean, but that's the benefit of being a podcast host is that, you know, in addition to my day job, you know, one, one once a week or once every other week, I get to pick somebody's brain who thinks a lot more about a lot of this stuff, and yeah, uh, and and that's kind of how, in bits and pieces, I, I I I'm able to get some information. That's actually yeah, you're lucky about that. Yeah, that's actually really cool. That's uh, I'm jealous of that, but yeah, one more project that I I've always liked, and for many years I got like people making fun of me. I always like Avalanche even before they launched uh, the token, and I know it's been delayed and stuff, uh, the launch, but I I always fo followed uh, Amin, Amin Goon, and I really liked everything he said, and I know that, I don't know, I, I just think that maybe he can sound, I don't know, a little potential sometimes, but like the guy knows what he's talking he's about. He's unhinged sometimes. He's yeah. entertaining that. Yeah, I think he actually knows what he's talking about. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, by academia, like he knows a lot, so, uh, it's always good to listen to him. And that's why I always wait for the project. And it's turned out that they were, it's been performing well. They did have the issue with the notes around a few months ago, like two or three months ago, but they like fixed it in like two days, which is really, really fast. Or like, I think like under 24 hours. So yeah, promising team. And so my final question is, what is the worst investment decision that you have made in crypto? Or what is the worst trade that you have made or worst shitcoin that you have bought? I ate into like TRX, I think, like three months ago. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. Like I'm on this. Okay, I'm on this. Um, wait, on wait, Tron, Tron. We're talking about Tron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we got we're talking about Tron. I, it's ridiculous. I really hope nobody listens to this. That, that, that are, you said. Still, are you still holding Tron? Um, no, I sold it. I sold it. But I'm holding Beam, as, I think, or like, I don't know, like a bunch of other shit coins. The thing is, I'm on this uh, Telegram group chat that whenever this guy says, and I just, I don't want to say the name because I, you know, I, he's a good guy. But whenever he says, uh, buy now at this price, it's cheap, whatever. And then if you actually buy it and then you sell it after like a few hours, since they have so many people subscribing the channel, the price actually pumps like uh, uh, goes up at like twenty three. So it's a good moment to like just go into it. But like that day, I was busy with work, whatever. I did not see the time that he said it. And I don't know. It was just like a bad idea. But well, you know what happens with all those groups? I mean, you know, the, the guy who's announcing it has been buying it for a week. Oh yeah. Before. And oh, he's yeah. get to it, and he's dumping on all you guys. No, you need to buy the moment he sends it. Like yeah. if you wait. 10 minutes you're out it's it's that's all it's already high enough where you're only gonna do either. yeah exactly so that's what happened um other than that <sighs> that's great that's amazing that's amazing yeah. at least i'm proud to say i never bought xrp i i have never bought xrp i have never bought trx um but i but i have i have bought other really dumb tokens there was this one you know i'm not going to get into it but this this thing called golden goose golden goose this year and it was this they introduced this thing called layered farming and so basically what it was i i, I vaguely remember so you had this token called goose and then you had or it was called egg and then you had all these layered farms called gg1 like golden goose one golden goose two golden goose three it was like multi-level i don't know what it was it was some form of pyramid scheme or something but 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 basically what you did is you basically went and you took your egg and then everyone tried to get into the golden goose thing as it got released because the, because you know, it was a brand new, um, a brand new pool. You could put it in and earn like 8 billion percent yield. And then that layer lasted for like seven days. And then another layer came and then another layer came on top of it. And so like the price of this thing, when the first layer came out, everyone aped into it. It went up to like six, I don't know, six, I don't know what the number was. A ridiculous amount of money is now maybe one cent. But basically, everyone was trying to get into it for the crazy yield, and you could even get yield in like USD with the coin, or like in USDC or USDT or whatever it was. Um, and so everybody aped into it, but it was like this total scam because the next day the next layer came out, the next and I think by the time layer three was about to come out, everyone was like, "Oh, this is a total scam! I've lost so much money." Because if yeah. you weren't the first, because people found exploits in the code, they found the contract address first, and they deposited into it and got that coin. Yeah. And so like, the guy who got in first crushed it and everybody else got out sister. I didn't actually lose that much money. Yeah. But, uh, I was so hyped about it. I literally have the goose stickers on my telegram. Uh, oh my God, no. <laughs> That's amazing. And, I, and I've gotten rug pulled a bunch of times too. So we've all been there. It, but at yeah. least I didn't touch on. It's, we all learned. I, I personally think these are good things. Like they, you need to go through this so you can learn and do better things. Look, like when you have a job that involves you, you know, being incredibly busy and having so much to do, getting, you know, getting rug pulled occasionally or being in one of these stupid things is, is fun. It's a good it's time. part of it. It's part of it. Then you can, yeah, you can just, yeah, just laugh at it. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you having you on. This was great. Uh, can you just tell everyone where to find you, where to find Pat Paradigm online? You know, I'll obviously drop the descriptions, but your Twitter account, the website, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Vidiala Laura, and Vidiala is with two L's. And then for Paradigm, you can either find us on uh, on Paradigm. I think Trade Paradigm is our 
um, handle. If not, you can find me also on Paradigm with my actually first name and last name, so Laura Videla. Or you can go to our website, which is paradigm.co. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was great having you on. Yeah, thank you. It was great to be here.